Good morning. It's Monday, January 24th, 2022. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director and Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and, economic and market commentary for beginning today. As a reminder, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Herb Morgan, or on um, Twitter at ETF underscore strategist.com. This commentary is available on a weekly basis by subscription to get the slides. If you're looking at your screen, you see the slides here, you have a subscription. There's no cost for that subscription or via podcast, which is audio only available on all the traditional podcast formats. The presentation is prepared for use with both investors and financial advisors, each of whom are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in the presentation should be treated as investment advice or a recommendation for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything is given to you for informational purposes only. There's no investment or tax advice. The accuracy, adequacy, or completeness of the information cannot be guaranteed. Let's get into it. We had a heck of a rough week last week in equity markets. The year-to-date numbers are equally rough. And this morning, Monday, as I look to the other side of my screen, I see that we're down about 700 points on the Dow or about 2%, about 3% on the NASDAQ. So we're having a little bit of a rough go of it. We've got officially got the NASDAQ and the S&P and the Russell 2000 all in what we call correction phase, not yet bull market phase. Of course, I've been managing or I've been in this industry, whether I was managing money or in the earlier stages of my career for 35 years. And uh, we've, of course, seen many of these. We'll see many more. Uh, corrections, bear markets, etc. cetera. Uh, last week, bonds were up just a little bit as measured by the ag, not much really, still negative for the year. And that really has to do with the fact that stocks are going down, bonds are the flight to quality play, as you can imagine, the flight to quality play. I'm gonna get my spotlight out here. No, nope, that's not my spotlight. Let's go, there we go, there's the spotlight. You can see that up just a tad on that flight to quality, the longer dated treasuries up quite a bit more, more elastic, the longer the maturity. Um, so let's just keep moving on here. Uh, data from last week, let's start with New York State Manufacturing or Empire State Manufacturing, dropped from 31.9 to minus 0.7. That was not expected. In fact, we we're expecting a number of 25, anything above zero is expansion. So by this indicator, New York State manufacturing actually slightly contracted in the month of January, which of course is not completely over. New orders went negative. Shipments fell to just barely above the positive or the growth line. Employment uh, grew, but at a slower rate. Um, but we're not ready to panic over this because future prices and orders, which is a component of the report, pointed this all right directly at the Omicron variant of the COVID-19. And we suggest that is short-lived as that appears perhaps to be, have, we may be at a peak or have peaked in the last week or two in the, in the uh, number of cases of that virus. Similarly, another regional Fed survey right up the road from New York is the Philly Fed survey. The January Philly Fed survey rose, so it contradicted the New York one, rose from 15.4 to 23.2, shattering the estimate of 19. Current and expected supply chain indicators showed improvement. So a little bit of improvement. We're still in a bad way with the supply chain. Uh, we're good as unfilled orders continue to be at a very high level, suggesting 
future economic demand and future economic growth is good. I would not interpret this stock market action as uh, indicating that a recession is near. New orders rose, shipments rose, the outlook improved a little bit, quite a bit actually, 19.0 to 28.7. We then got information and data on housing, National Association of Home Builders Housing Market Index, basically unchanged, went from 84 to 83, pretty much in line with expectations. Anything above 50 says the nation's home builders are pretty happy with how business is going. Anything above 80 says they're, they're essentially ecstatic. So there's still a, a very, very low inventory of um, both existing and new homes. Demand is very high with very low interest rates and a very strong economy. Despite what's happened for the last couple of weeks in the equity markets, the economy is strong. Aggregate demand in the economy is very strong. Employment is very good. Housing starts rose uh, almost to a 10-year high. You can see it there with the red line, that's the permit number, and the blue line are the starts just a little bit below that high of a couple of months ago, um, or about a year ago. Housing starts rose 1.4%. They beat the estimate, 1.7 million versus about 1.65. For the year, starts are up over 15%, permits up over 17%, suggesting that maybe help is on the way for the supply issue. Uh, that's good news indeed for those who are not already in that market. Of course, the, the, the rising prices are pricing many buyers out of the housing market. Existing home sales fell 4.6%, uh, far more than expected. The annualized rate there was 6.2 million. Supply of homes though, fell to the lowest all time since the data series has been kept, 910,000 homes for sale in inventory in the country. This is why prices are going higher. I would tell you, if you don't need to buy right now, uh, this is a seller's market, not a buyer's market, probably best to sit on the uh, sidelines. Very limited inventory. Also, the other thing that's happened on the demand side is interest rates have kicked up a little in anticipation of some of the Fed rate hikes. We've seen the 10-year treasury which many mortgages are based off of, particularly the fixed rate mortgages. We've seen that climb all the way to about 180 for dipping back down. I think it's about 172. It is exactly 172 as we speak. Um, there were a lot of sales of existing homes in 21, over 6 million. That's the strongest year since the peak, right before the housing crisis and the housing correction. My view, uh, I don't think we have big gains ahead of us. I don't think we have big declines ahead of us either. Uh, I think the market will pause. It could even correct a little bit here in the coming year, uh, but that's my view of the housing market. Moving on to employment and jobs, weekly initial claims for unemployment rose, kind of surprisingly last week from 230. Remember we had a couple of weeks below 200, all the way to 286,000. This had, had to do with some Omicron-related uh, layoffs to be sure, but we are not having the extent of the forced shutdowns that we had uh, in the past. It was far in excess of the estimate, the consensus, and it exceeded the estimate of all reporting economists into the Bloomberg survey. Good old California, 67,500 initial claims for unemployment. It's 24% of the claims, despite being about 11.9% of the U.S. population. So. Uh, as I've mentioned to you in the past, California uh, does have very generous benefits and uh, supplemental benefits related to COVID, et cetera, 
and has been accounting for a very significant amount of those unemployment claims. The other thing we saw over the last uh, week was that the City Economic Surprise Index, and you know how I show you these economic data points each week and say, well, it, it beat the estimate or it was below the estimate. When the preponderance of those go below, go fail to meet the estimate, then that number goes below zero. When the number is declining, it's usually a bad sign. When the number is rising, it's usually a good sign. But in reality, uh, just a little bit below uh, the zero line here is not major. You can see back here in 2021, we went below that, went significantly negative, and we still had a phenomenal year for equity prices. So nothing is a guarantee, but this is something that's being talked about a lot in my circles. Hey, there's been some misses. I showed you that New York State or Empire State Manufacturing Index is an example of that. There's been a couple of misses related to Omicron. But I think our view, and I think most folks are, are seeing that the Omicron-related impacts are, have probably peaked. I do think the, uh, the inflation number has peaked. It doesn't mean prices are going back down, but that rate of increase uh, has likely peaked. And I think that peaked in probably September, or excuse me, November or December, and we're going to start to see that roll over. Here is a graph of the S&P 500. That's the white line. Go over this for a second with you. The blue line is the 50-day moving average. Okay, so we've gone and we crossed below that. Then you've got the 200-day moving average, which is slower moving, of course, and you can see we've now crossed below that. There's something called a death cross. That's when the price goes below the 50 and the 200, and that 50 then crosses below, and then everything just starts going down. We're not there. Uh, what we are, though, is at a correction. We're a little more than 10% down from the all-time high. I always remind investors, you've been investing your whole life or your whole adult life. And the only way you're down 10% is if you had one investment, one investment only, and right here at the all-time high. Corrections of 10% are normal. They are to be expected. And they are to, to cause people like me to ask the question of whether or not there's more to come. How much more is there to come? Is there something fundamentally wrong with the economy? My answer to that today is the economy is experiencing tremendous demand, unfilled orders, supply chain issues, pent up demand. Um, this is mostly profit taking from a long, long run up, a normal correction with a long run up in equity prices. It's a little bit bigger than normal because, well, we're anticipating higher interest rates. We had the rollover into the new year. Folks still delayed selling things because they didn't want to pay the capital gains this month, this April, right? So you delayed selling. So there's some pent up selling here. There's the fear of the higher rates, fear of whether or not the Fed overshot and inflation, et cetera. But do I think there's anything fundamentally wrong with aggregate demand? I really don't. In fact, we still have low capital gains tax rates. Uh, things look pretty good. We still have the stimulus coming that's already been passed. Now it's going to be implemented and put in. On the other hand, too, by the way, not on the other hand, but also this indicator at the bottom is something called the relative strength index. Normally, when the stocks get down to this sort of 25 level, and you can see they're at 23, so we're there, uh, or 20 levels, really what we call oversold. And you can see way back here, February of 2020, so about two years ago, we got to that level. We got to that over what I call oversold, and we had, you know, the 50 coming down, the 200 coming down, and of course the market rebounded. 
Does that mean the market will rebound and go up strongly this time? No, we don't know for sure. But there is, I, given that the economy is good, given that earnings are coming in good, given that demand is very strong, perhaps this is a time, this is a time to, from a technical perspective, if you have extra cash, look at, uh, look at adding it to your portfolio. This is a drawdown, looking at just the drawdowns. This goes back all the way to 2017, the S&P 500 index. You can see that we don't get a lot of 10% drawdowns. Well, we, had, we had one, we had two, three, four, five. This one exceeded at 20%. And you had the big one when we shut down the world economy because of COVID. You had these, and what you see then after these is typically you have these big rebounds. This could be a time to, again, to add to equities. Take a look at the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ's down more, right? It's a little bit more volatile index comprised of a lot of big tech companies that are trading off due to thoughts about higher interest rates, et cetera. And you can see it's down. This, I ran this about 15 minutes ago when I was creating this uh, slide here, and it's currently about 7.30 in the morning uh, here on the West Coast. Uh, we're down about 16% from the high, again, that relative strength index has rolled over, perhaps representing a pretty good um, entry point into uh, the market. Now, bear with me for this for a little bit. This white line is the forward estimated earnings per share of the S&P 500. Now, each day as companies report, analysts change their future estimates for earnings. When we roll into a new quarter, get a little spike up because one quarter rolls off and a on a quarter that's four quarters out or three quarters out rolls on. So you get these spikes up. So you can see one there, you can see a big one there. But then once the new quarter starts, you can see we're still looking at about $220 per share estimate for the forward four quarters. That's the first quarter that we're in right now, et cetera. So $220. The forward PE then that's taking today's price, dividing it by those earnings estimates. Is, has come down considerably. That's the left-hand graph. Earlier in 2021, for example, we were well over 26 times forward earnings. Now, with this big sell-off in the equity markets, you can see we're down below 20, we're at 19.5 times forward earnings. Now, those forward earnings haven't happened, so they could be higher than that, in which case we're even lower as a, on a PE basis or they could fail to materialize. I don't think they're going to fail to materialize. In fact, I think they're going to be better. I think there's really no incentive for companies to overpromise on the earnings front right now. I think they try to be conservative. And as we know, watching the earnings season and the earnings reports, almost always the earnings estimates exceed, uh, the earnings, actual earnings exceed the estimates. So far this season, it's too early to make any definitive conclusion, of course, 64 to 500 names have reported, uh, 50 have beat, that's 50 out of 64, and the average earnings surprise is about 9%. So if you take that 220, and I'm extrapolating here, but let's say the average earnings surprise is, for the year is 10%, that's gonna put you at you know, another 20, $22, put you at about 240 on the S&P, and that would make stocks, finally, for the first time in a couple of years, sort of cheap. And so that's just something to think about. Now, what, would, what has caused this correction? I think we can't put our, our head in the sand. We have to talk about it. First and foremost, the realization that central bank stimulus is going away in the U.S. In fact, uh, we're, we're going to wrap up bond buying in March. 
We're going to raise interest rates in March. Even despite this market correction, the odds have not changed significantly for a rate hike, the first rate hike in, my, in March, and then up to three or four rate hikes throughout the cycle of the Fed meetings throughout the rest of the year. We have fiscal stimulus running off, child tax credits, things like that, the stimulus payments from the prior years during COVID. Those are going away. I mentioned earlier year-end profit-taking. I mentioned valuations are now getting lower, but they weren't so low a couple of weeks ago before this all started. Bond yields have gone higher. That matters because that's what you compare owning stocks to. Well, why would I take the risk of the stock market if I could get an 8% on U.S. Treasury? Well, you can't get an 8% on U.S. Treasury. But if interest rates continue to go higher, each, each tick higher represents a, com a more compelling alternative to stocks. And we had a pretty big move in that 10-year yield. So that was part of it. And then, of course, very significant geopolitical concerns happening right now with Russia and Ukraine. It seems all but certain that Russia will invade the Ukraine. What, if any, is the Allied response, the NATO response, the US response, the German response, the French response, the British response? And what does that do to aggregate demand and economic activity? All of these are weighing on the market. I believe all of these are temporary. And I think we're going to get through a very good earnings season. Markets will stabilize, recognize that the economy can handle and will handle the Fed rate hikes, that they are just normalization. Okay, let's move on to this week's economic data. Uh, we're gonna get market manufacturing and services for the month of January. Um, they've already both uh, come in. They were both a little below estimate, but still above the 50 line. Tomorrow we've got FHA, FHFA house price, NK Schiller, consumer confidence, new home sales. There's the big one, uh, the FOMC meeting. And I will tell you, I do not believe there's any chance of a rate hike. Um, there's a 3% according to the future markets for Wednesday's meeting, but what there is is a telegraphing of likely what we're going to see in March. There's no February meeting, there's a March meeting of the FOMC. So we'll get past that, we'll digest what the Fed telegraphs to us. We'll move on Thursday, fourth quarter GDP number, looking very big at 5.3%, durable goods, pending home, jobless claims. Friday, income, spending, employment costs, uh, PCE price index, that's a big one because that's the Fed's inflation gauge. I believe that's going to start rolling down. You can see the consensus does as well. Uh, that's still high inflation, but less high than, of course, it was in November. I think November turns out to be the, uh, the peak. So don't forget to uh, like us, thumbs up, tell your friends, forward, retweet, all that good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. Uh, we appreciate you uh, listening each week. And I'll be back to you again next week. Or if things get a little more squirrely in the market, I can see we're already coming back. We were down, uh, we were down about 800 on the Dow, and it looks like we're down about 475 as we speak. So that's coming back. But if do things do get worse this week, I'll be sure to come out to you with a supplemental um, report.